Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Schrader, and we're continuing talking about reading the Bible. I want to begin today by reading you a quote from the book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. Listen to what he says. He says, do you realize that recorded readings of the Bible have proven that you can read through the entire book in 71 hours? That's less time than the average American spends in front of the television every month. In other words, if most people would exchange their TV time for scripture time, they'd finish reading the entire Bible in four weeks or less. If that sounds unworkable, consider this. In no more than 15 minutes a day, you can read through the Bible in less than a year's time. Only five minutes a day takes you through the Bible in less than three years. Apart from a specific plan, reading three chapters every day and five on Sundays will take you through the Bible in a year's time. Read three in the Old Testament and three in the New Testament every day, and you will finish the Old Testament once and the New Testament four times in a 12-month span. I hope that you're encouraged to read Scripture, not because you have to, but because you need to. This is what your soul craves. I want to give you a challenge. In the comments below this video, let me know, let the church know um, what Bible reading plan you're doing. We have our church Bible reading plan, but if you're doing another one, let us know about that. I, I cycle through several different ones each year, and I'm always curious to know some of the more popular popular ones out there. My, my favorite two are the Discipleship Reading Journal. I really like that plan. It has four different strands you're reading from. Um, this year, I'm using the McSheen reading plan. McSheen um, takes you through the entire entire Old Testament once in a year, and then the New Testament twice, and the Psalms twice in one year. Um, so I'm using that plan. What plan are you using? Please share with me in the comments below um, so I can see some, some new plans that maybe I would want to use, and other people can see the plans that everyone is using for reading through the Bible. The question I want to answer today is, who reads the Bible? Who's it written for. And the first thing I want to point out to you is what Jesus said about the Word of God. In Matthew 4.4, he answers, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Who can read the Bible? Hungry people. People who are hungry for God's Word. And if you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if your eyes have been opened to see the beauty and glory of the Lord, then this is what your soul craves. You want the good food that He alone provides. Really, the Bible is for everyone. It says this in 2 Corinthians 1:13: We are writing nothing to you other than what you can read and also understand. I hope you will understand completely. Paul says when he writes 2 Corinthians, he's writing things that everyone in the Corinthian church can understand. He's saying the truth that I'm presenting in scripture, in God's word, and he saw Corinthians as God's word, is something that everybody can understand. And then he says, and I hope, and remember that, that word hope doesn't mean the same thing the world means when they say hope. It means a confident expectation. His confident expectation is that they will understand completely. So the Bible is for everyone. One, one of the best evangelical tools you have is God's word. Get it into the hands of family and friends. Challenge them to read it for themselves. But I want to narrow that down because not only is it written so that everyone can understand it, it's written as spiritual truth. 
in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. So don't just give the Bible to people, but then pray the Spirit would give them eyes to see. Pray the Spirit would open up their eyes. And understand this, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the world. Jesus says, if he goes, the Holy Spirit can come, and if the Holy Spirit comes, he'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And so people who are sinners, people who don't believe, Jesus says they need to be convicted of sin, and the Holy Spirit convicts them of that sin of unbelief. People who don't have the perfect example of Jesus, they're convicted of righteousness. People who think that they'll be okay serving the devil, they're convicted of judgment. Why? Because he has been cast down. And so the Holy Spirit's the one who reveals that to them. Pray the Spirit would take the words of God and apply them to hearts. Jesus says this in John 6, 63, the Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. Don't lean into your flesh. When I say flesh, I mean human resources. Don't lean into your human resources to understand spiritual truth. A lot of confusion comes about from people trying to read God's word using their human understanding. These are spiritual truths. They need to be understood spiritually. And that means that you're praying and asking God, Lord, show me marvelous things from your word. So God's word is written for everyone, but it can only be understood spiritually. So you ask the Spirit, Lord, show me, reveal to me what you have here. I want to see. I want to learn. And God will always answer that prayer with an affirmative yes. It's my good pleasure to give you my spirit. It's my good pleasure to give you my kingdom. It's my good pleasure to give wisdom to everyone who has. So ask of him and he will show you marvelous things in his word. Now, in 1 John, it explains that because of the anointing, because of the Holy Spirit, that you don't need anyone to teach you. But, but it's interesting because John explains that he's writing his book so that their joy can be full. So even though they don't need the Spirit to teach them, they need the encouragement of teaching from God's Word and from spiritual mentors. It's so important for you to have people in your life who can encourage you, who can challenge you to understand God's word better. Now, now you need to understand this. Because the anointing is what's teaching you, as a, as a teacher stands in front of you and they open up their mouth and they exposit the word, or a Sunday school teacher asks questions that help you to explore the text, or you have a conversation with somebody who's discipling you and, you, and your mind is open and you see things, you need to understand what's happening there is spiritual. It is the Holy Spirit doing that work. But the Holy Spirit at times uses human agents, speaks the truth of Scripture through the people who surround us. Let me give you a few examples. The first one I want to point out to you is Philip the Evangelist. In Acts chapter 8, we have a story where God sends Philip the Evangelist out in the middle of nowhere in this wilderness, and he sees an Ethiopian eunuch riding along in his chariot. And he, and he approaches him, and he sees it. He's reading from Isaiah chapter 53. And it says this in Acts 8.30, when Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
Now, now what happens is the Ethiopian eunuch is reading God's word, but he's confused. And he says, I need someone to guide me. And God affirmed that by sending Philip out there to be that one who guided him. That's one of the reasons we see in Romans 10. How can they hear without a preacher? This is why we need human agents. This is why we send missionaries. We want to translate God's word into every tongue, but we also want people to go along with that translation to be that guide, to be that helper like Philip was for the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, what's interesting is the Ethiopian eunuch hears the word of the gospel preached through Philip. It's affirmed right there in front of him in Isaiah 53, and he has an instant desire to be baptized. He gives his life to Jesus. He gets baptized, and then it says God takes Philip away. God transports, supernaturally transports Philip somewhere else that he's needed. And the Ethiopian, it says in Acts 8.39, when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. And so what happens is the Ethiopian eunuch, what does he do? He goes back to Ethiopia. But now he's been transformed, and now he brings a message back to his people. Do you remember the demoniac? the man who called himself Legion because he had so many demons inside of him. When he asked Jesus if he could follow Jesus, Jesus said, no, I want you to go back to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And so while we need that guide, when we are converted by the power of the word of God and we receive it with meekness, we have something to share. We have something to share with others. And what you see both with the Ethiopian eunuch and with the demoniac is instantly they went back to their people and they had a testimony. They had something to share with others. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago in our communion services on January 1st from Philippians chapter 3. And I want to remind you of verse 17. Paul says this, Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. This is one of the reasons it's important for believers to have spiritual mentors, people that you sit down with and you learn about God's word and how it applies to your life. Now, the spirit, remember, is the one who's applying that, but God has designed the church to have more mature and less mature believers. And those more mature believers are meant to be an example. They're meant to be discipling. And so if if you're in that category, you should be finding somebody either that you're discipling or or that you're emulating. And really, all of us should people have people on both ends of the spectrum. I find myself sort of in the middle of that. I need to have people that I look up to. I have, need to have people in my life that can challenge me, but I also need to be going out to find people that I can disciple, that I can be the example for, that I can help to understand scripture. But one of the, the beautiful things about discipleship is that you're not discipling somebody so that they need you. You're discipling somebody so they realize they don't. You're encouraging them to see the truth is there, and with the Spirit, they can understand the Word of God. It it says that we're supposed to have people who teach us the Word. We're supposed to honor them. But at the end of the day, understand it's the Spirit who's giving you insight. So don't ever think that if you don't have a lot of teachers surrounding you, you're going to suffer or you're not going to be able to understand God's Word. If the church in America experiences persecution, you have to go underground and you can't have just this amazing, rich teaching that you can get all over the place. There's so many podcasts and there's so, so much access that we have 
have these days, such, such good teaching. If you don't have that, understand what you need is what you have in God's word and in his spirit. There's so many examples of the persecuted church sometimes only having a page, a page of scripture they they were willing to die for. That's all they had. Or just what they'd memorized. They would just meditate on it. Sometimes they would just write down everything that they could and then they just go over it over and over and over again. Because what you need is the spirit and the word of God. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. God's design is not for us to be having a bunch of podcasters who are mentoring us, not celebrity pastors that we go and we listen to their sermons. God's design is for us to have mentors whose life we can observe. He wants us to have people in our life who we can both learn from them as they speak the word of God to us, but we can imitate them as we see how they live that out. We are designed to live in transparent community. You need to be in each other's homes. You need to be observing each other's conduct, watching each other's lives. Uh, This is one of the reasons that we have elders in the church, and this is one of the reasons that hospitality is required for elders, because elders need to constantly be having people in their home so that people can observe them. They need to have an open-door policy so people can watch them, because that's how God has designed the church. Elders are those who are meant to be uniquely gifted with the ability to exposit the word. It says this in Titus 1.9, when it describes the requirements for an elder, it says, holding to the faithful word as taught so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. So the reason that men need to, leaders in the church need to be able to hold fast to the faithful word is twofold. It's so that they can encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. You know, it surprises me how often people think the point of sound teaching is just the second one, just refutation. It's meant to be encouragement. And here's how it encourages. When you speak what sound, the spirit of those who are new creation in Christ resonates with that teaching. And there's something inside of us that when we hear what accords with scripture, we know it's true. It resonates with our soul. And what happens is it encourages us. So what's not happening is you're suddenly realizing some insight into scripture that's not already there. You're seeing it and you're realizing that's there. I see that. That's right there in God's word. It resonates with God's word. It resonates with your spirit because your spirit's affirming that and opening your eyes to see that. That's what teaching does. It resonates with what the spirit's already revealing to us in God's word. And so I challenge you, open up God's word. It's for you. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have an amazing intellect. It's able to be understood by everyone. It's the bread of life. You need it. Feast upon it. Make sure you have somebody that you're looking up to, an example that you can imitate, somebody whose life you can observe. And as you follow them, glorify Christ with your life. I pray that this encourages you more than anything else to be faithful in opening up God's word and reading his words to you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes down from the Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for listening.